0: This is the Aquasensory Podcast. I'm your host, Jo Wilson. In this show, you will learn all about sensory harmony in water for babies and the early years. Because when we grow to love, connect and respect water, learning follows naturally. Today, I have one of my favourite topics. How do we balance stimulation in water for babies, and how can we support brain development. Today, I'm joined by Deborah McNellis, who is the founder of Brain Insights, author and speaker, creator of NeuroNurturing. I love chatting all about my geek interests, brain development for babies, and how we can support them in water for optimal development. Nurture is so important.
1: Welcome, Deborah yes and i so appreciate two things well probably more than that but <laughs> i appreciate you inviting me to chat with you today and i so appreci- appreciate you being part of the the first 60 days movement um it's ju- you you've just jumped in and been quite involved already and um and i'm thrilled about that so and and i also appreciate the appreciate the kind comments you were saying about the nurturing and the importance and because it all that's all so very true so let's deep dive we've always known about the early years
0: but to bring it back to the first 60 days and you've created a wonderful movement let's chat about why these early days and months are so important
1: well i'm going to begin by you talking about the early years yes wow. when i first yeah, when I first started my career, um, I, my bachelor's degree is in early childhood education, and it was the emphasis of how important those pre-kindergarten years are. And, um, and then it kind of got narrowed down, and people started talking about the first three years, then it was even narrowed down further, and people started talking about the first 1000 days. <laughs> and, and, uh, in the last few years, Bruce Perry, Dr. Bruce Perry and um, colleagues did research to find out, is there timing that really makes a difference? Um, and just let's let's look at it. And especially looking at um, the impact of adversity. So if there's adversity in children's lives, uh, does it matter when that adversity is happening? And what they found was that if a baby has nurturing, consistent nurturing responsiveness in the first 60 days or the first two months, I call it the first 60 days because of a booklet that I created entitled The First 60 Days, but based on his research about the importance of the first two months, um, and that's what they, he and the others Um, refer to it as the first two months. Um, If the baby has that consistent nurturing responsiveness in that first two months, and then a lot of adversity might happen in that child's life for the next 12 years, that baby does better than a baby that has adversity only for the first two months and things get better afterwards. So, wow, how impactful is that to realize? And it's because the brain is so malleable um, by the experiences that they're having in in those earliest days, weeks, and months. We can make such an impact as parents
0: and professionals. And I love the way that you bring complicated brain science and make the language so accessible for us to understand so we can share really important information to parents like The fact that the brain, unlike our other organs, is not fully developed at birth. Our brain is immature, which is why in water, it's such a huge, huge sensory experience. We must pay particular attention to the environment, balancing all of our senses.
1: It certainly is. (laughs) Yes. And uh, yeah. So like you said, the other organs are all fully developed. And so mm-hmm. it used to be believed and kind of, you know, common, uh, just common thought that, that the brain was gonna be fully de- developed as well. But we know now that that, it, that isn't the case. Um, we're born with about 86 billion brain cells and some of those brain cells are connected to one another but not all of them, nine months of development prenatally isn't enough time to connect 86 billion brain cells. So it's like those early years, months, days, and years are the uh, like a fourth trimester of, of development. And those connections are being made based on the experiences that a child has had. So um, it provides us with an incredible, and wonderful opportunity, doesn't it? Because now, if it's going to be developing after birth, we have the the opportunity to provide those most optimal experiences. And science is showing us what those optimal experiences are. And sensory, like you said, sensory experiences are essential for making optimal connections in the brain. And water <laughs> certainly is one of those, those uh fabulous experiences, or um, creating all kinds of sensory experiences.
0: It's easy to forget, isn't it, that water is multi-sensory. And as you say, the sensory input is so important. It's about getting the balance right. Sometimes our babies need more stimulation to grow connections and other times less, so we don't overwhelm them. All our babies are just so unique and I find in the pool it's almost like a water dance. How much does that particular baby need? Shall we provide more movement and stimulation and to sing more? Or perhaps our babies need less at this particular time because they're tired, they need to feel calm. Deborah, let's talk about the nervous system and in particular, dysregulation. What are the signs that we might see in an unbalanced sensory
1: system? You're bringing up, this is a wonderful, I love having this conversation with you. You're bringing up such a valuable point because yes, balance is, is very important. We need, the brain needs, we, you know, adults, even babies need um, stimulation. And like you said, but we need that balance. And we need some stress in our life to be motivated to do things. So that's where the stimulation comes in. And so the brain doesn't like either one. It doesn't like to be understimulated. Just think of, I know we're talking about babies, but think about a um, a four-year-old and they don't have anything to do right now. What do they do? They find a way to get stimulated. They might hit their sibling, right? That's going to stimulate my brain, right? Or, you know, throw something across the room or something to get stimulated again. Um, And even as adults, we sit in a waiting room for an appointment. Do we just sit there and do nothing? Absolutely not. Our brain wants to be stimulated. We pick up our phone and look at something on our phone or a magazine or a book or something. So you're so right. Um, We need that stimulation. but it needs to be balanced because overstimulation is dysregulating. And especially babies do not have the ability because of the immature brain, they don't have that ability to get back to regulation again, without the adult in their life to co-regulate with them. And so uh, looking at those cues, and you're right, every, every baby is different. Every baby is unique. So it's key that the important adult in their life is tuning into the cues of that baby. And some of the cues might be as simple as turning away, turning their head away, diverting their their, um, vision. Um, There's so many um, senses that can be over you know, different aspects that can be overstimulating. I just can't take in any more visual stimulation. I can't take in any more auditory stimulation right now. I can't take any more touch right now. So uh, so that parent needs to be attuned, tune in to the cues that the baby is giving.
0: Oh yeah, you talk my language. Tune in to baby's needs. We often use sensory layers. Empower our parents to know how they can adapt the layers for their baby. Movement might be one layer, nurturing touch another, and then there's the voice. But for some babies, all three, all at the same time in a 3D water environment, well, hey, that can just be way too much. So simply by taking a layer away, maybe being a little bit more static. And pausing, reassuring with a voice that's enough, but for other babies, lay they, they love to rock and roll and sing. It's about giving our babies
1: what they need, don't you think that's right yeah and and um to the tuning in to what you just said it, to that baby and and what senses it is that they're needing. It's, <laughs> and it, it's it's not always easy to, yeah. to determine, right? But trial and error, you don't have to be perfect in every, you know, every second. Um, that's not necessary. Um, but responding is to it looks like maybe they're dysregulated. Now you can find try to figure out oh, what is it? Do they need less movement? Do they need more movement? Do they What what do they respond to? If I'm swishing them back and forth in the water, are they smiling? Are they responding? Do they seem? Are their eyes big and wide like I'm fearful? Or you know, just tuning into those responses. And you mentioned the voice. Um, The voice. The uh, we can we can communicate so differently by the way we use our voice. We can say the exact same words. And be communicating differently and activating the brain differently. You can say some words that might create a fearful, threatening um, response and activating that nervous system, or you can be, you know, use a soft voice and it's a calming and it's activating the higher functioning areas of the brain. So that really matters. And then um, nonverbal, the brain picks up on nonverbal communications much more than words or voice. And there's lots of research that shows they're gonna look at your expression. If you're giving a reassuring uh, expression, you know, you're nodding and smiling and yeah, it's okay. Mm -hmm. That's going to calm the nervous system. But if you are expressing, oh, you might be, you know, this might be scary if you go in that water right now, they're going to pick up on that. They
0: do. Um, It's like a mirror. If we are looking afraid and when our babies are looking at us as their point of reference, I wasn't really minding water on my face, but you're showing me it's not a nice experience. Maybe that's how I should respond as well. Um, So, okay, I'll, I'll learn from you. Maybe I shouldn't be putting my face in the water. I think that's one of the jobs as us, as swim teachers, that we work together. We synchronize our parents and our babies. So we're always learning together, almost like
1: a little duo. You know, just having that awareness and that, and, and look how much you're teaching that parent. Um, not only teaching them, but providing that example and um That role modeling and babies pick up, start picking up those nonverbal cues right and that imitation right from day one. When we're looking at the brain,
0: am I right in saying it all comes down to survival? The brain loves to feel safe, and the way we communicate this to our parents in the pool is. We have a little bit of a say in Aquasense where we say when your child feels safe, they'll be ready to explore and that's when they're really ready and open. Uh, We love to provide a beautiful, grounding, safe space where we're all learning together. We feel safe in our bodies and that's when I see those brain sparks, babies get so so excited at the simplest things like reflections
1: on the water wow there's just so much more open yes exactly that you're so right the brain is is focused on survival we're it we're constantly unconsciously scanning the environment and the people in it for safety and so if we're not feeling safe well our stress responses are going to be activated we're going to fight or flee or freeze and um and the learning higher functioning areas of the brain are not going to be activated they're going to shut down for the purpose of trying to keep us safe definitely
0: yeah yeah are there any messages we can share with our parents i love the way that you have your neuro nurture language and you talk about how we learn from others And sometimes the information given to new parents can be based on old myths. Perhaps when it comes to spoiling or crying or stimulation, shall we unpack a couple? I love your little booklet. It's all written from baby's
1: perspective. Exactly. Yes. So I mentioned a bit earlier that that I titled a booklet called The First 60 Days. And yes, it's all based on the myths that are commonly shared in our cultures. Um, they're either, you know, sometimes you still find them on the internet and, um, and there's friends or neighbors, well, well-intentioned well yeah. giving you uh, advice. And, and so this booklet is based on 22 of those common myths that are shared. And you mentioned one of them, which is actually the first one in the booklet. On uh, It's based on the myth that if you pick up a crying baby too often, you're going to spoil them. It's, it's way, it's way too common. <laughs> you know, it continues to be common. So, um, yes. So in the booklet, I share that myth, but then I share... The baby's perspective on that. And then the the second portion of, of the page on that topic is neural nurturing knowledge. Neural nurturing is a term that I trademarked a few years ago, because I found that sometimes people think um, brain development is only about intelligence building and mm-hmm. uh, you know, acquiring knowledge but it's so much more than that, isn't it? Like what we've been talking about and what you're doing with your program. So the lower part of the page then fills in with the neural nurturing knowledge in very simple, understandable ways. So it's not high level (laughs) uh, neuroscience terminology, but just explaining, no, a baby does need to be responded to. And that's what's going to optimally help their brain develop best. So it's it's just the opposite of the myth. So there's several myths like that. I, as I said, 22 myths in the booklet. We can
0: really learn about what the brain needs from your work, especially when there's new parents and new experiences because, you know, baby swimming is a big sensory experience and some of our parents might be a bit fearful or even our babies. And that's okay Um, if you're unsure, if your baby's unsure, um, they might be hungry, they might be tired, they might even cry, but it's the repair, isn't it? If baby's receiving a big sensory experience and it's a little bit stressful for them, um, that's okay, but it's how we respond to our baby's needs and that helps to repair any of the little stresses that's that's so so
1: important isn't it it is that give and take that serve and return of communication back and forth i understand you're hungry now aren't you you're tired of doing this That you got overstimulated well let's let's calm down and let's do something different and do that and then the baby listens and responds and shows you yeah i'm listening to you you're listening to me (laughs) right and um and just have, it's, again, that tuning into them and then responding uh, mm-hmm. is is just a key piece. And, and as I said earlier, you don't have to be perfect. And that's one of the myths in the booklet as well, um, you know, that parents believe they have to be perfect if they're going to develop mm-hmm. their child well. You don't. You just have to be nurturing and responsive um, to, and tune into their needs like we've been talking about. We can learn so much and share so many valuable nuggets with
0: your work, Deborah. As you say, the early years are so important and if we provide a more nurturing and stable base, we will be bringing more love into the world and wow, does our
1: world need it right now. We're providing what our children need in life. Exactly. And on that topic of... uh not having to be perfect, Mm -hmm. I often, uh, I do a presentation about the way in which the brain focuses attention. Mm -hmm. And I always point out that it's very common for us that are caring about our children, of course, and we want to do the best. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, what do we typically do to ourselves? Oh, I didn't get that done. I should have handled that better oh, I didn't do that the way I wanted to do. And we just (laughs) go on making a list like that in our brains. And if we turn it around and start to think about, well, I did feel good about this that happened today, or how I handled that, or that I did get that done, or that moment my baby and I had together, focus on that. And your brain will create a bigger list than the things yeah. you felt were negative because you do a million wonderful and positive things and create these lovely moments. And so I always advise parents or anyone that's interacting with children to make sure you're focusing on those positives that you do each, to each day. Oh, that's so
0: lovely. I'm So glad that you said that because um, in the pool, we love to frame those magical moments because, um well, there's so much going on in the water and as you say, sometimes parents can miss things. So actually having a moment to sink in, to pause, to relax and uh, sometimes it takes us as swim teachers to say, oh, can you see? Look, they've picked up the ball today or um, perhaps they're kicking more. It's a really beautiful way to take away those moments, as you say. Often things get missed, and um, you know we we focus on the things that we're not doing, and it's those important, um, meaningful moments are beautiful. Uh, I'm so glad we connected. I will pop all the links to your work. Um, thank you so much for sharing and the work you do in the world
1: uh bringing us and connecting us together well it was beautiful having this conversation with you and i i just think of these fortunate parents and babies that get to work with you and and the others in your program so um it's heartwarming to know that that's all taking place
0: oh thank you thank you so much we Are about creating sensory harmony in water, nurture and love through aquasensory and bath babies, bringing nurture to the water, which is why I absolutely love your work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Aqua Sensory Way. It's so nice to have you here tuning in today. Let's connect again soon. I'd love you to find out more about creating sensory harmony in water. Come and join us on our socials and in our community Facebook group, Aqua Sensory Connections.